Are you looking to advance your technology, develop your skills, work with our network of experts, and get top-notch mentorship? Applications are open for the UCSF Rosamond RISE. Through RISE, we identify promising entrepreneurs from groups that are underrepresented in health tech, such as women, people of color, and LGBTQ individuals, and we connect them with any number of leaders from our UCSF network and beyond. To apply, please visit rosamaninstitute.org slash programs slash rise. Applications close on February 9th. There is a flood of entrepreneurs who are moving into the care economy, a lot of them inspired by lived experiences, whether they're a working parent, a caregiver for an aging family member, or just someone figuring out how to use technology to better manage their home and family life. Um, So seeing a lot of great founders, which is what inspired me to leave my previous job and start a firm. One company, our first investment at Magnify was in Papa, which is in the aging technology space. They're leveraging technology to bring companionship and support to older adults who are aging in place at home. And now from San Francisco and the UCSF Rosenman Institute, the Health Technology Podcast with your host, Christine Winotto. Investors are important people to listen to in this industry. They're the one whose opinions mean you get funded or not. That's why I'm so happy to introduce my podcast guest today, Julie Rubluski. Julie is co-founder and managing partner of Magnify Ventures. She has more than a decade of investing experience under her belt, including leading the venture capital investment portfolio at Pivotal Ventures. Julie's work combines investment with a drive for social change and improvement. Especially for my listeners in early stage of startups, she has a lot of really good lessons for you in this episode. But all of what she has to say is important for everyone else too. Here's our conversation. Well, welcome, Julie. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you. Uh, We've been working together for, what, the past 12 months or so, it feels. Yeah, about a year. Yeah, and it's so nice to get to know you, and I'm so glad to have you on our podcast. That will be, you know, you have quite a journey, quite an interesting background. Um, Maybe you can share with us uh, where you started and how you decided to go to where you are today, being a founder and managing partner for Magnify VC. Yeah, well, I'm thrilled to be on your podcast. I'm a big fan, so it's great to be here. Um, My journey as an investor uh, started, I think, a long time ago. I was always interested in economics and financial markets. I studied economics in college and then spent a couple of years working at the Federal Reserve Bank in economic research uh, in the run-up to the 2008 financial crisis. So that was very formative for me. Uh, then I went back to graduate school and spent about a decade as an advisor and an investor working for a number of family offices, high net worth individuals and foundations who were interested in using investment capital to solve really big human problems and social issues. Uh, the majority of that time I spent working for Melinda French Gates as an advisor at the Gates Foundation and then launching and leading the investment arm of Pivotal Ventures, which is her 
investment company in Seattle. And while I was doing that, I was seeing incredible uh, technology and early stage companies that were beginning to innovate in new areas around caregiving, um, family life, uh, the ways that we really use technology to manage our families and everyday life. Um, so that's a little on my personal journey and kind of what led me professionally to start a firm. But when I step back and think about, you know, why the care economy, why caregiving and investing in these areas, it really comes from uh, my family and, and my own journey. I've been an active caregiver uh, to both of my grandparents um, uh, and now to my parents uh, at quite a young age. And I was also a professional caregiver. I spent about a decade working in uh, nursing homes and memory care units. I was also on an ambulance. Um, and that's kind of how I worked my way through college. So uh, it's been great in this latest chapter to kind of marry my interest in investing in financial markets with a real passion for um, caregiving um, and ways that we can use technology to improve how we care for each other. Well, that's in- I'd never know that you were uh, of working. You work at the memory care uh, caregiving uh, place. Can you? I mean, what did you learn from the experience? What did you see? What was lacking, and why it's important to have that? Yeah, well, it started in high school. I was a certified nursing assistant, and then continued to do that through college. Um, and I think, you know, what I saw from that was just really um, how caregiving is so deeply human and universal and um, yet so underinvested in and a huge challenge for our society. I mean, even uh, back then, this was a while ago, um, we were already at a point in this country where we were facing uh, staffing shortages in nursing homes. So I, you know, saw up close the challenges that that would bring not only to, um, you know, the uh, folks who were uh, living in those facilities, but also to professional um, caregivers who were, you know, working double shifts and trying to provide excellent care to people in the later stages of their lives. So one of the things I think that I learned and saw was really the challenge that we have in this country um, in uh, nursing homes and memory care facilities. But I think I also saw the incredible power and potential for innovation and technology to move in and to improve how we care for each other and to maintain connectivity and and community. Um, You know, whether that's bringing activities uh, into people's, into into facilities and into people's lives, keeping people connected to their families, even when they are in a long-term care facility. Um, You know, when I was in high school, we were just getting the internet um, and video calls um, into those facilities. So I started to see at a young age, age, wow, we have this huge challenge, but maybe technology and innovation is going to move in and and help us address um, some of those issues, especially as our population um, is aging and those issues are going to become even more at the center of our society in the next couple of decades. It's interesting that your career path, uh, looking at your LinkedIn profile, you probably never, I mean, I would never guess that you were a caregiver professionally, um, what make you change, like not to pursue that route and instead going through the route of in this finance and investment? Yeah, well, I never actually 
uh, saw that as a, a path I wanted to pursue. I was very interested in economics and financial markets and investing. And I started working as a caregiver as a way to work my way through college. It was a great paying job that, um, you know, I think, uh, someone in my family said, Hey, you can go and do this early on. Um, but, uh, so I guess I always knew that I wanted to be an investor. Um, but I kind of kept that, um, interest in caregiving in the back of my mind and, um, always wanted to find a way to come back to, um, that and bring that into my career. Um, my brother is a doctor. My dad was a firefighter. So being involved in healthcare, um, and emergency services, um, was always just kind of a part of our family and sort of a career path that you did. But, um, I'm very excited that I've been able to bring that focus back into my interest in investing. So, Julie, uh, maybe this is a good place for us to talk about Magnify. Can you tell us about Magnify more in more detail? Yeah, I would love to. Uh, Magnify Ventures is an early stage venture capital firm that invests in technology and visionary founders who are transforming the care economy in the United States. Uh, for us, the care economy is all of the time, money, and energy that we put into caring for people from the moment they're born until the end of their lives. So a huge $648 billion market in the United States uh, that includes everything from pregnancy pregnancy and parenting to how we manage our household and care for the aging. Um, and we as a firm are investing in startups at the early stage across healthcare, the employer market, and consumer technology um, that are transforming that large and growing market. So uh, for us, a really big and exciting space. Um, and we uh, just launched our fund earlier this year. So very excited to get out um, and back founders um, as they build new companies in care. This podcast is sponsored by Brown Rutnick's Global Life Sciences Group, a team of legal professionals that help life science companies, lenders, and investors around the world turn good science into good business. Learn more at brownrudnick.com. This podcast is also sponsored by Canon Quality Group. Canon Quality Group has been helping medtech startups set up quality management systems for over 10 years. If you're unsure when to get started with quality management in your startup, turn to the experts at canonqualitygroup.com. So what stage of the companies that you're investing in and what the check size that you guys usually put in? Yeah, so we invest primarily in seed stage companies. We have a little bit of a focus on pre-seed and series A, but primarily seed stage. Um, so just when a company is trying to identify product market fit, um, we do co-lead and lead, but we don't need to always do that. And we'll write anywhere from one to $2 million checks um, into companies. So really early stage, which is exciting. And do you see there's a lot of uh, entrepreneurs addressing this particular areas? And if so, what are the exciting things that you've seen? Yeah, there is 
a flood of entrepreneurs who are moving into the care economy, a lot of them inspired by lived experiences, whether they're a working parent, a caregiver for an aging family member, or just someone figuring out how to use technology to better manage their home and family life. Um, So seeing a lot of great founders, which is what inspired me to leave my previous job and start a firm. Um, Some of the areas where we focus um, and are seeing exciting companies include um, in parenting and family life, aging innovation, household management, and then the future of work. Um, I'll give you maybe just one or two quick examples. Um, uh, One company, our first investment at Magnify was in Papa, which is in the aging technology space. They're leveraging technology to bring companionship and support to older adults who are aging in place at home. Um, And in doing so, they're addressing isolation and loneliness and helping to improve the health and well-being for millions of older adults um, in this country. And they're doing that in partnership both both with health plans and employers. Um, So just an incredible company in all 50 states partnered with every major health plan in the United States and really transforming um, care for those uh, who are aging in place at home. So that's Papa, which is in our aging category. We just invested in Kinside, uh, which is earlier in the life cycle. And Kinside is an incredible company in the childcare space that makes it easier for working parents to find childcare solutions and to tap into employer benefits and flexible spending accounts to help pay for childcare. So they're really leveraging data to bring greater accuracy and efficiency to the childcare market. Um, so really excited about that one as well. Listen, uh, actually, we have Andrew um, from Papa on our podcast uh, oh, a few months right. ago. Uh, it was a great work that he's doing. And so since you invest in early, and sometimes I always like to think like, well, you know, invest later, there's a lot of metrics that you can, that help to make the investment decision. What are the things that you see when you uh, entrepreneurs come to you at the early stage when they're early they don't have the revenue yet or what are the guidance or guiding posts that you kind of put into yourself like this is something that I want to invest in yeah so of course it starts with the founder and the founding team and seeing a founder with incredible conviction and ability to attract and keep talent early on is incredibly important. We look for, it doesn't have to be the founder CEO, but someone on the investing team who's had experience building the operations of an early stage startup um, or, you know, bringing that in on um, an advisory uh, or some other form. Um, So really uh, high conviction, ability to attract talent, um, grit in the early stage founding team is incredibly important to us. Um, As a thesis-driven firm, we sort of pair that evaluation of the founding team with an understanding of the market opportunity, whether that's in parenting and childcare or in aging 
oftentimes when we talk to a company, uh, we've uh, looked at the space pretty deeply. And so we can kind of um, understand the competitive landscape, some of the challenges they might be up against, and really the market that they're looking to enter. So for us, it's a combination of, um, you know, evaluation of the founder and nothing trumps that, but pairing that with um, evaluating the market opportunity in the care economy where we're focused. Mm-hmm. So with your experience being uh, uh, in the family office, family foundation, and now at the fund, do you see the difference on how they make the investment? Or it's completely two different things? That there's the difference some... between investing in a fund from a fund and investing. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, there are obviously a lot more resources when you're inside of a bigger organization. Um, and, you know, you can do different types of analysis or, you know, leverage different types of legal expertise. For example, when you have a big family office or foundation infrastructure around you, that can be incredibly helpful. So that's something that was very useful um, in my previous roles as an investor. Um, but being inside of a firm where two partner firm. I think the one great advantage is we can move really quickly. We can see a deal and a founding team that we get excited about and we can make a decision and make that investment in the matter of, you know, however long it takes us to do good diligence. Um, So I think there are pros and cons to both. Um, I think the one thing I really enjoyed about being inside of a foundation and family office environment was the really wide range of opportunities that I got to see. Everything from, you know, pre, pre-IPO pre to super, super early stuff. Um, and now inside of our firm, given that we're seed stage focused, it's a, it's a little bit more, um, you know, focused on the companies and the stage where we're looking to invest. So, you know, definitely pros and cons to both, but I think I learned a lot um, from my roles in the foundation and family office environment that I'm bringing into building and running a firm. Yeah. And so you being in the family office and your fund, now you see so many pitches, so many companies Mm. come to you with their ideas and What are the things that you see that works really well on how they present the story and what are the things that not working? Yeah. So, you know, when you invest at the early stage, you're really investing in people and the team and we are a thesis-driven firm. So we're incredibly interested and motivated in the market opportunity, but what works really well is when people start with presenting themselves and the team and, you know, why you um, as this individual or this team to develop this, because your idea that you're starting with at pre-seed or even seed is likely to change a couple of times by the time, you know, you build to a growth stage company. So what I see working well is when people start with presenting themselves and really see this as a as a relationship that they're looking to build with an investor who's going to be on a journey with them over time. I think sometimes, you know, I see pitches and founders who um, maybe put solely the market opportunity there. And there's a lot of great slides on these big, huge problems that they're going to tackle in the market. And of course, that needs to be there, but it has to start with the team and, and why you. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you mentioned that because I think in healthcare, um, many people that we meet, they happen because of 
the personal passion. And mm. but I've been to a place uh, where I listened to a pitch when some people got turned off saying that, well, you know, why do you have to share that story about your somebody in your family who mm. got cancer? And I thought like, oh, that's interesting. I, I thought that would be a draw because I know they'll be passionate about it. But the other person, it's almost like you need, you need to know who you talk to. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, there has to be a balance, right, of, you know, telling your personal story and communicating, you know, why you want to pursue um, being a founder because it's a very tough journey. And then, you know, focusing on the the business opportunity as well. And I think it's really important, um, you know, whether you're pitching a startup or whether you're raising a venture capital firm to be really aware of your audience and who's on the other side and um, kind of adjusting along the way as you go. I think one of the best things about raising a fund um, is that, you know, you get to to go through that journey um, and it kind of reminds you anytime you raise capital of just how important it is to calibrate as you're having conversations to the audience who's in front of you and, you know, what they need to hear. Yeah. This is a good time for me to ask you about like the challenges uh, that you face when you raise the fund and how hard it is, or is there any things that you learn from that process that you can uh, advise people who are interested in raising a fund? And then with the current climate, how do people do that? Yeah. Well, it of course was challenging. Um, And for us, you know, we were pitching a fund with a pretty uh, novel thesis, you know, investing in technology companies in the care economy. We would talk to LPs all the time that would say, I never, I've never seen a fund with this thesis. Like, what is the care economy? What kind of technologies are in parenting? Like, tell me about the aging market. You know, we had to do a lot of education around our thesis in addition to selling our track records and us as a team and all of that. And that was both a challenge, but also an opportunity. We, in a way, you know, doing that through the pandemic um, was in some ways maybe helpful to us because people were in their homes facing their own caregiving challenges. You know, we're on there telling people about the, you know, relentlessness of modern parenting and a kid is running in in the middle of our pitch. You know, it was like, it was like everybody was facing this in their home. So that was both the challenge and the opportunity, kind of selling a fund with a novel thesis, but in this time where caregiving is really at the forefront for many people. Um, you know, kind of stepping back from our thesis you to raise a fund have to take so many meetings and talk to so many people. And I think that uh, I got better through the process of kind of identifying, you know, who might be interested in investing in this first fund and who might really write a check and who are relationships who we're building for the longer term and they might invest in fund two or fund three, but they're not going to invest in fund one. And I think kind of figuring out how to triage in that way so you can efficiently allocate your time is incredibly important. Otherwise, I think you could spend years fundraising if you, you know, didn't didn't do that. So we sort of ran our fundraising process um, in a pretty lean way. We had a essentially a sales pipeline and we're just, you know, tracking. So that was a big learning. I also think that throughout the process, one of my big learnings was that, you know, in fundraising, you're really building 
very long-term relationships. You know, these are people who are going to invest in your fund and hopefully be there, um, you know, for fund two and three and beyond. And so you really have to approach those conversations like you're building a relationship rather than you're selling a product. It's kind of similar approach, I think, where entrepreneur is when they're working with investors, don't you think? Absolutely. Um, I think that's a big learning to keep in mind, uh, whether you're raising a fund or, you know, building a company is that especially investing in the early stage, this is a long game. You know, if we, if I invest in your company, we're going to work together uh, for a number of years together. And it's the same with a fund. And so approaching it from a relationship standing standpoint, rather than a transactional standpoint, I think is incredibly important in both cases. People talk about like building the relationship, you know, it's uh, important. And I almost want to ask, like, is there a framework that people, like entrepreneurs can use or put in their mind? Like, what, how do you build a relationship? I guess that's my question. Well, I mean, I think whether it's in investing or in your personal life, I think it really starts with building trust and getting to know people and, you know, what motivates them and what, um, you know, their goals are, what their concerns are. You know, oftentimes when I'm talking to LPs, I ask them, you know, what's a really great investment that you made and why? And, you know, what are the risks and things you're thinking about across your portfolio so that I can understand how to, you know, communicate and and pitch them in a way that takes that into account. Um, but I think that you know, it really just starts with, uh, you know, building trust and getting to know people like you would in any aspect of your life where you are building a long-term relationship. I don't think there's a real science to it necessarily. I think it's more of a matter of art. Yeah. And so, um, I have, um, we are running out of time soon. I know that you are part of the all race Hmm. and if you can, uh, Share with us a little bit about that, why you're interested in all race. Yeah, well, um, I am incredibly interested in um, helping to uh, advance diversity, equity, and inclusion in venture capital. I think it's hugely important for um, influencing the sort of innovations that we're going to see in the next couple of decades. You know, if we um, want to see, you know, transformative innovation in new areas of healthcare, business, and in our homes, we're going to need to change and diversify who is in the seats that are making investment decisions. And Allraise, which is a network for uh, women founders and investors, is an incredible community that's giving um, support connection, um, and resources, um, to women in venture capital and the tech startup ecosystem. Um, so actively involved in that as well as a number of other organizations that are focused on, um, diversity and equity and inclusion, you know, some of them more overtly so, and some of them, um, kind of in the context of what they do. So my partner, Joanna is the co-founder of Raise Global, which is a community for emerging managers and limited partners who invest in them, really bringing forward the best of emerging managers to the investor ecosystem. 
And that organization has had a long focus on ensuring that women and people of color who are starting new funds are put in front of limited partners. And Joanna and I and Magnify as a firm play a very active role in steering the future of of Raise Global. I'm also a Kauffman Fellow um, and participate in a number of groups within that organization that are thinking about how to make sure that founders um, and investors who are women and people of color are building the networks that they need and accessing resources and community to be able to be successful. So um, both Always, but also a number of other organizations I'm very passionate about and committed um, to having that be part of my career and what I'm helping to drive forward in this industry. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time. It's so fun to have you. Thank you. Thank you, Christine. It has been a pleasure to work with you and to partner with the Rosenman Institute. We are incredibly impressed and excited about everything you're doing. And um, you are just a a joy to talk to and to work with. So looking forward to many more years uh, collaborating together. Oh, thank you. So kind. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Health Technology Podcast. We want to thank our executive producer, Herminio Neto, and our podcast engineer, Andrew Rojek. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. The Health Technology Podcast is available on all major platforms.